But we're continuing this morning with our theme, The Grace-Filled Life. We started a couple of weeks ago talking about grace and we had a look, if you remember, at John 3.16 as a picture or a definition of God's grace to us. Today, we're going to continue on talking about grace and the title of my message today is Brother, What's Your Problem? Brother, what's your problem? Not to be sexist, let's also say, sister, what's your problem? Uh, I want to share with you today some thoughts from probably Jesus' most famous parable, his most famous story, which is often referred to as the prodigal son. The prodigal son in Luke 15, and I believe that that is a title that only gives us half of the story. And I'll explain that in a moment. It only gives us half the story, the, the, the prodigal son. So when we look at the context of what Jesus is saying here, when we look at this parable, this story, we see that Jesus is actually addressing a particular audience. And so what he does is he relates this parable to the particular audience. Uh, He was a master of being able to do that. He would look around at the people he was talking to and he could make this story just so relevant to their situation. So let's have a look at the context. In Luke 15, verse 1 to 3, this is what it says. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So, that word so is really important. So, Jesus told them this story. You see, Jesus looks over the crowd there. There were tax collectors. There were notorious sinners. There were Pharisees, there were teachers of religious law and they were all in front of him. And so Jesus looking at them, it says, so he told them this story. So he is paying particular attention to the crowd here. And it's important that we understand that. You see, he gives them a story of two sons. He gives them a story of two sons, not just one son. And that is important because if we are to understand what this parable is about, we need to understand that this is addressed and this story is about two sons. You see, one son represents the wayward sinner and the other a dutiful saint. One son represents worldly lust And the other represents religious piety. One son represents bound and enslaved and the other the saved and free. One son represents the lost, the other the found. One son represents living in the presence of the father and the other son represents leaving the presence of the father. One son represents the need of grace and the other, the receiving of grace. Two sons, 
Two sons that represent both sides of the crowd that Jesus is addressing here. You've got on the one hand, you've got the hopeless lost sinner. And on the other hand, you have the righteous churchgoer. And that is what Jesus is addressing here. That's why I said at the beginning, I said that the prodigal son only gives us half the story. Because uh, this story is more than just about one son. Many commentators actually say that the parable should be correctly titled the prodigal sons, plural. In fact, some commentators even suggest that the title of this parable should be the parable of the older brother, which is interesting in itself. Now, I want us to understand this this morning. The fact is there were two sons, the older, the younger, the stay at home, the run far away, the dutiful, the careless, two sons. And this is what I think is important for us to note and understand this morning. Both were lost. Both were lost because if we don't understand this, we won't understand what this parable is all about. Do you know that you can stay at home, you can do the right thing and still be a prodigal? These two brothers, both of them lost. And, and, and hear me this morning. One had lost sight of the father's love. The other had lost sight of the father's grace. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Today, I want to focus on the churchy one. I want to focus on the one that stayed home, the one that did the right thing for the father, the one who nevertheless took the father's grace for granted. So, brother, what's your problem? Or sister, what's your problem? Let me read to you his part of the story, Luke 15, verse 25. The prodigal, the younger, has returned at this stage and the father has welcomed him with open arms. This is what it says. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So his father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. Incredible story. 
Why is it so important in this particular story that we look at the older brother? I think it's important because of this. Over the years, as we walk this journey of faith in Jesus Christ, it's easy along the way to lose the wonder of his grace. You see, if we're we're not careful, I've been on this journey now for a long time, but if we're not careful, we can replace love with duty. We can replace worship with just attendance. We can replace compassion with judgment. We can replace devotion with routine. We can replace the gift of salvation with just a good works program. We can replace mercy with resentment. We can replace grace with just religion or or, or regulation. And friends, I know this is true because there have been times in my journey where I have become like the older brother. And there are times when I've had to get back to the foundation of God's grace once again. So brother, what's your problem? Here was his first problem. He didn't enter into the fullness of his blessing. The father says, listen to what the father says to this older brother. He says, son, everything here is yours. Everything here is yours. Imagine being surrounded by love, being surrounded by grace, being surrounded by the incredible provision of the Father and not partaking of it. That's what this son did. He had every blessing available to him, but he didn't partake. How sad is that? How sad is having this opportunity to be so closely knit together with the blessing and the presence of the Father, but we just take it for granted. See, some Christians are so engulfed by their wilderness experience that they ignore the oasis of his grace. Let me read to you a scripture that Rodney stole this morning. (laughs) we didn't plan it we don't go to each other's office and say hey what are you talking about oh yeah I'll use that too no that just came out so that's fantastic Isaiah 43 19 to 20 for I am about to do something new church I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and the owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland. So my chosen people who are his chosen people, we are his chosen people, will be refreshed. Wow, the provision of God, the blessing of God, the blessing of the Father available to all of us here today. You see, if you lose sight of grace, you'll miss the stream in the desert. If you lose sight of grace, you'll forget the anchor in the storm. If you lose sight of grace, you'll not find the treasure in the trial. 
Why is it that we sometimes hold on to our limitations when everything the Father has is available to us? Let's enter into the fullness of his blessing, life to the max. Let's not just survive, but let's revive our hearts. Brother, what's your problem? He never decided to celebrate. He never decided to celebrate. He said this to the father. He said, all this time, you never gave me even a goat to feast with my friends. I'm, I'm sure the father said, you've got to be kidding. You see what I did, the goat kidding? Moving right along. Now, here's the, here's the fact. Here's the important thing. He didn't have to ask. Because celebration is a part of the journey. He didn't have to ask. It was there for the taking. Thinking, thinking about this, the father was already preparing a fattened calf. Why was he preparing a fattened calf? Well, a fattened calf was used for some means of celebration. You see, celebration was actually expected in this household. Friends, celebration is expected in the household here today. The father was already preparing the fattened calf. I read this scripture during the week, Song of Solomon 2. Verse 4, he brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me is love. Some of you have been around long enough to remember when we used to sing it at church. He brought me into, and we used to do all the actions. He brought me into his banqueting house or table and his banner over me is love. Sort of like the Christian version of YMCA. <laughs> the fact is this, friends. God has prepared a party and we're all invited. We're all invited. The thing about grace, friends, is that it knows how to party. It knows how to celebrate the goodness of God. And friends, I believe as Christians, I believe the family of God should be able to celebrate together the goodness of God. Psalm 118 verse 24 to 29. I want to read it to you, but from the contemporary English version. I love how it says, This day belongs to the Lord. Let's celebrate and be glad today. We'll ask the Lord to save us. We'll sincerely ask the Lord to let us win. God bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We praise you from here in the house of the Lord. The Lord is our God and he has given us light. Start the celebration. March with palm branches all the way to the altar. The Lord is my God. I will praise him and tell him how thankful I am. Tell the Lord how thankful you are because he is kind and always merciful. Grace celebrates the goodness of God. There's joy. There's laughter. There's dancing. 
There's praise, there's lifting holy hands, there's clapping, there's shouting, there's singing, there's rejoicing in God. You know, perhaps this brother had become too dignified to worship. I'm talking about this brother, not us. I'm talking about this brother. Just perhaps... He had become too dignified to worship. You see, if you lose sight of grace, you lose the ability to celebrate. Let's be a church that celebrates. Let's be a church that celebrates the goodness of God. For he is wonderful. He is mighty. He is with us. Brother, what's your problem? He tried to earn the Father's love rather than abide in it. He says these words. He says, all these years I've slaved for you. All these years I've slaved for you. I've done so much for you. I've regularly given my tithes and my offerings. I've regularly come to church even when it was raining. I've regularly done all these things. I've served in the house. I've handed out the hymn books. I've shaken hands. All these things I've slaved for you, Father. You see, he had replaced love and relationship with duty and service. John 15, incredible passage of the word of God. I'm sure you're familiar with that passage, it tells us that when we abide in the vine, we'll produce fruit. I want you to note something. It doesn't say after you've slaved away to produce fruit, you may earn the right to be grafted into me. See, that's that's the world's standard of acceptance. It's not God's standard of grace. See, grace knows that Abiding comes first and the consequence of this abiding is grafted love that produces fruit. So often we try to earn the Father's love rather than just abide in it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. You see, grace doesn't want to earn the Father's love. It wants to rest in the Father's love and give willingly out of the relationship. You see, if you lose sight of grace, you'll stop being and you'll focus on doing. As Henry Nouwen, famous theologian, said, you'll give up on sonship and insist on being a hired servant. Wow. We can't earn the Father's love by any merit of our own. But we can give him, return to him our love because of his incredible grace. Brother, what's your problem? He judged the plight of the prodigal from his position of privilege 
He said this. He said, I love these words. This son of yours (laughs) comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate? You, You can hear the judgment, can't you? You can hear the resentment. This son, notice, not my brother. This son, sure, he's repented in rags. Sure, he's fallen at your feet. But honestly, this son deserves all he gets. It's his own choices, his own stupidity. Not to mention, Father, his dishonour of you that finds him in this place. You've got to recognise that in the culture of the day, by asking for your inheritance was paramount to saying, I wish you were dead. Wow. And this older brother is judgmental coming from his position of privilege. The beggar at the shops doesn't get my money because he made the decision to blow his future on dope. He's made his bed. He's got a lie on it. That's his choice. Wow. You see, if you lose sight of grace, you lose sight of what you would be without it. Talking to me as well. How many times I've been judgmental of things and I've just had to stop and think, hang on a minute, John. Hang on a minute, broken one. Hang on a minute, saved by grace. If it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for his grace. You know, we are told numerous times that when Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion. Let grace always move us with Christ's compassion. Amen. Brother, what's your problem? This is his last problem. He was offended by mercy rather than appreciative of it. Wow. Perhaps, just perhaps, this this brother's pride had made him think that he'd never been a recipient of the father's mercy. I've always been good. I've always tried to do the right thing. I'd never done anything really that wrong or that bad to have to beg such lavish mercy. I just want to remind us of something this morning. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's Bible. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is no one righteous. No, not one. We're all sinners desperately needing the mercy of God. And in our brokenness, he came and he graciously made a way through his sacrificial death on a cross. We are here today because of his grace and his mercy. And let me tell you, part of 
this journey of grace that we are on as followers of Jesus Christ is never losing the wonder of God's mercy. Never losing the wonder of his incredible mercy. You see, if you lose sight of grace, you fail to understand your need of a saviour. Eventually, either legalism, rules, or licence, a wishy-washy kind of grace that just accepts I can do what I want now, will replace Jesus' love. Wow. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. My aim is to not be like the older brother. My aim is to not be like him. Let's enter into the fullness of God's blessing that he has for us. Let's celebrate the the goodness of God. Let's abide in the Father's love. Let's not judge. Let's not judge those needing a saviour. Needing God's grace and mercy. And when we recognise this kind of grace, it enables us to live life to the max. I want to pray this morning. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed. There may be some this morning. You need to accept the forgiveness of the Father offered by salvation through Jesus Christ. If that's you, while no one's looking around, can I ask you to do one simple thing? In acknowledging that you need his grace and forgiveness, you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life. Can I ask you to just raise your hand? I'll acknowledge it. You can put your hand down again and then we as a congregation will pray a prayer inviting Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of your life. Is there anyone today that says, yeah, that's me? Why don't you raise your hand? I'll acknowledge it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The other thing I want to pray for this morning is simply this. I believe that God was challenging me and God's challenging many here today to Just recognise and extend God's grace to others. If you feel challenged by that this morning, through this story, why don't you stand and we're going to pray together to extend God's grace and His love to others. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Many people. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that when you saw the crowd, you were moved with compassion. And Lord, I pray that that might be us in every situation that we might become more like you, that we might extend grace and mercy and love to those who desperately need to know you. Lord, I pray that we won't sit back and cast judgment or be like this older brother who was full of resentment and bitterness. But Lord, that we will show your love, your love to those who are lost and hurting and desperately need you. Lord, today we pray for the prodigals as well. We pray for the prodigals to come home. We pray that the prodigals will be embraced by your love and your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, may we never lose the wonder of your mercy. May we never lose the wonder of your grace. May we always be the kind of people that sit back and say, but therefore the grace of God go I. We ask in your wonderful, holy name. Amen. Amen.